Hello and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father and I as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and values inspired by the weekly Torah portion. Our goal is to open our discussion to you in the hopes that it will give you something to think and reflect on, as well as be another interesting conversation that you can have with your family, friends, and peers. So, let's delve right in. Well, well then, Chag Atzma'ut. Sameach to everybody. Yes. Let's start getting controversial right now. Yes. (laughs) Controversy. Um... Not for the sake of controversy, is but like, what's the deal? Like, what's the deal? <laughs> like, why? Like, what is the deal? Which means, like, what, what's the polemic? You know, I mean, what is the polemic about the state of Israel that we're still like harking about it? The polemic, you lost me. I thought we were gonna. <laughs> I thought we were going in like, what's the deal with some people being like. Yes, Chagat Smaud, and I was like, no, it's regular well, yeah, day, that's what I mean. that's and what Hallel, I mean. no Hallel. This is an internal question, an internal question meaning amongst the Jewish people. People that that are, are uh, apathetic to this, they don't care, obviously. And people that are, uh, are hate, are, hate us and wish we weren't here couldn't care less either because they don't care about this day or that day or any day, they just want us gone. So it's really... It's just a question of what we say to ourselves. And I think that um, our own inner dialogue is very, very important. It's so important. You don't have to agree on everything, but we have to agree to disagree at least on certain things and agree to agree on others. And I think that's the key. And I think thinking positively or looking at the experience in my life, I've seen over my lifetime a change, a paradigmatic change, and I think that even those that perhaps were construed as those who were more anti-celebrating or, or like more, or Dafka not to celebrate, yeah, and do something or, else, <laughs> or like not to not to not to recognize and and not to respect any national things because just because they're national, they're secular to them. And because they were never made to understand that this is also a religious thing. In other words, it can coincide the religiosity, the religious content of the fact that we're in Eretz Yisrael, we're on our land, and and we can have so many more opportunities, even religiously speaking, than we would have if we wouldn't have Eretz Yisrael. Mm-hmm. To have that coincide with the fact that we have a national entity that's a, that needs a government, that needs all the other workings of a, and trappings of a, of a country, to have that coincide somewhere is, I think, the issue. There's an ambivalence of the more religious community. When I mean more religious, I mean Haredi community towards that. They don't know where it intersects. They're never taught to understand where those things can intersect in a way that will make them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's there's so much ambivalence about it, so it's kind of like they're kind of like stuck, with, caught with their pants down when somebody says to them, "Well, how could you not be thankful for all the work that's been done so that you could live where you live, at least that, mm-hmm. and you can have a functioning place to to, to move and to the the fact that it functions is a, is a product of all of the workings of the government, whether you like it or exactly what they're doing or not, you do it differently or whatever, but." you would have a government 
I mean, if there wasn't a government, you would be under the what? The Ottoman Empire? Like the, the who? Who? If we would step out today, who would take over this place? The Lebanese? The, Syri the Syrians? The Jordanians? The who? Who the heck would run this country? Don't tell me the Palestinians. They're not going to run this country. Maybe Iran would run it. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Some powerful country. <clears throat> There's no real country around here that's like fully, uh, you know, invested that would be able to just say, oh, we'll run it. But let's say it would be a conglomeration. Let's say it would be just like a, who knows, like a country that, um, I don't know, like a Switzerland, like a neutral country where kind of like you just come and go, but like, it would be like living, besides the fact that you're in Israel, it would be like living in America. Because it's... Besides it's, the fact that it's just not going to happen. It's just not possible. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm not, I'm not saying whether it is or it isn't. I'm not, I'm not, God forbid. But <sighs> that would set us back like centuries. It feels in my mind, you know, if we would, if we would lose Israel like as a, as a Jewish state. I think it would set us back like centuries. Don't you mm. feel that way? I just can't even imagine not having Israel, to be honest. Yeah, because you grew up with it. But, like, imagine the people that saw the transition. Like, all that, all that it meant to them. You know, it's so hard to capture in words, exactly. Because a lot of it, the overshadowing of it was, like, a safe haven, you know. And... And of course, you know, that, are, that, that type of uh, thinking, you know, has its shortcomings because 74 years later, <clears throat> people have a hard time seeing that this is a safe haven, you know, in the world for Jews, even if there's, you know, there's an uptick in anti-Semitism around the world. But people aren't convinced like, oh, the Jews need their country because, because they say, look, the Jews have the country and they're still, to which I say, that's a bunch of baloney too. I mean, I always quote this guy who works in security, he used to work in Chile, who was in the army in a very elite unit that has to do with search and rescue, whatever, he had a lot to do with security and he works in security. He says Israel is the safest country in the world. I feel very safe here. It's, I, and I also find that in my experience, usually the people who are scared about security are people who don't live here and who read a lot of news. Yeah. Because the news are really scary and everything sounds crazy, but when you're here, it just feels so safe. It it like takes to live here first to really right. feel. I mean, stuff happens. What the reality live, is, God forbid, stuff happens. You could live in what, like what would you consider a safe country? America, England, like what? Where France? Like what's a safe country? Switzerland. I mean, where's the lowest crime rate in the world? Costa Rica? I don't know. Go live in Costa Rica, you know. <laughs> but wherever there's crime, which is most countries in the world, if not all, then crime happens. So the crime is called this. It's called, some people will call it that, some people call it that. Here, most often, because it's directed with a particular purpose in mind, so it's terrorism, because it's there to terrorize. It's not just because a guy flipped out one day and he had a bad day and he, he's not so you know, mentally stable, so he pulled out a gun and shot people. You know, it's it's directed, it's it's constant. There are people that are working day and night so that they can try to do whatever they can to damage the state of Israel. So, okay, so it has a different feel to it. But, um, but it's like crime. It's crime. 
And I think one of the best, one of the greatest things that I've, I've seen over the past decades, over the decades, is that <clears throat> it's actually starting to look like crime as opposed to looking like a national thing. You know what I'm saying? If somebody comes in New York and, I don't know, does something horrible, right? Nobody will say, oh, this is an attack against America. It's a, it's a crime. It's a, it's a country that's functioning, that's trying to maintain law and order for its citizens. And terrible thing happened, and terrible things happen. People want to make money, people want to steal, they want to rob, they want to cheat, they want to, they want to, they'll get violent, they're, they're terrible people, awful people, sick people, whatever it is. The difference is, it has always been, is that here, because it's such, um, it's so like a flor de piel, as they say in Spanish, it's like so on the t it's so always talked about, always discussed, always d uh, d debated, the state, you know, and the, the thing, and the occupied territories, and the thing, and all that cr crud that constantly gets thrown into the, for whatever reason, the obsession about Israel is in the, in the news. So anytime something in Israel happens, instead of just looking at it as like, the guy's just a criminal, right? It gets the color of like, throws the whole country into, a, and the whole surrounding and the whole world into like a debate of yes, Israel, no Israel, how much Israel, how much Palestine, what's the deal, two state, this state. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Oh, recently, I think, recently, I don't know how recently, but recently I've gotten the feeling that like, at least some of the leaders are a little bit more savvy. I think they're wise to put it in terms of like, this guy's a criminal. He tried to run over people. You know mm. what I'm saying? <laughs> he, he was a criminal. He was put in jail or he was shot because he tried to kill people. That's it. You know what I'm saying? You see how that normalizes the situation much more? Yeah. Like I'm, you know, it's like sad to say, but I, I, I'd much rather hear it that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds funny to say, actually, but I'd rather hear it that way than hear constantly, like, because that's what terror is trying to do. It's trying to create this metach. It's trying to create this constant pressure on the, uh, pressure on the country to feel that, like, somehow their ex very existence is, um, is tenuous. Hmm. Right. I hear that. Interesting point. So I say three cheers for criminality and and just crime as opposed to terrorism hip hip <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying it's like mm, maybe uh, it's like you know what i'm saying guy comes from wherever okay the 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 the, the, go the government the, the shin bet the, the army does whatever they do to get the guy or whatever throw him in jail kill him who cares and that's it mm-hmm <laughs> Lower, lower the drama content. Yeah, lower the drama. Stop talking about this and that. Now, I think that our enemies, are, are, we do them a favor because that's exactly what they try to do. If something happens, right, and they don't take responsibility or they know nothing about it or they don't say, this is because of the criminal colonization of the Israelis and whatever. If they don't do that, it's like, it's, it's worth much much less to anybody because there's not as much pr yeah just that, like, that doesn't advance their the best thing for us is when there's quiet best thing is quiet and when and when we just live like a regular country mm -hmm. 
Imagine, imagine if every time something happened in the States, that everything would be a question of like... The, Should the, the state of America reinstate really their exist. policies about... Maybe they stole it from the Indians... So it's this is because, and we should reconsider how much land America really has. And you're talking about people who are living in the state of, I don't know, Michigan. And they're going to say, well, maybe we should take away where people live there and give it back to the Indians. And that happens like every five days, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy. People would never be able to handle that there. Right. That, that, that it creates pressure. instability. Yeah, that's what it's trying to do. Right. It's like, I liked Netanyahu because he was a great politician. I, don't, I think he got himself lost in his own success, just like it happens when power corrupts, um, unfortunately. But he was a wise politician, and he was the first one I heard this from. Now, he didn't say it. He didn't explain it. But... All of a sudden, it caught my ear. He was saying, this guy's a criminal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It was like a great spin. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's so true. Like, just a criminal. Criminals go to jail. Or they get punished or whatever. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. you can't question me just because you want to punch me. You want to punch me, therefore you're going to... I punch you, and then therefore I say you don't exist. Mm -hmm. Punch you back. <laughs> Get out of my life. Go back to your hole. Mm -hmm. Bother somebody else. Right. Yeah. It's nice. Like, uh, it is. It's smart. Definitely seems smart. I want to go back, though, to what we were saying before about, um, I guess, the recognition of, of Yom Atzmaut, Chag Atzmaut, you know, who gets involved and who doesn't. On, I was telling you on Yom Hazikaron at the Tekes at Har Herzl. Um, I don't know who exactly um, was speaking at the moment, but he said, "Im lo beyachad, lo bichlal." Right? If if we're not if we're not one, then we're not at all. Um, and I think that really plays along a lot into the lines of how we react as a people to national national events and I think we were discussing it actually my second year of seminary when you came to Israel to um, like a little pilot trip to check out the place and we came to Ramaki Vadzeh for the first time I mean it was Yom Atzmaut and Yom Azikaron that week that you oh, were here right and we went to Har Hetzel yeah and, and my seminary didn't really do anything <laughs> and I was like what I always get choked up when I think about that mm -hmm. I even took a picture it was like a Yeah, well, it's like this uh, Ethiopian woman on a. She's like sprawled. On top of her son's tombstone. Yeah. Yeah, very, very poignant. And um, yesterday they were giving in the speeches. They were bringing up different peoples. Um, different, different uh, fallen soldiers. Um, stories of how they fell and how, what kind of people they were. It's very moving. Um, and I was just thinking to myself while I was listening to that, I was like, how could we not, how could we not all 
commiserate and mourn together about so so much loss. Yeah. This is what I was saying originally, I think, without getting too uh, all wrapped up in the emotionality of the thing. Uh, but <clears throat> I think people who... Two, two things here. One is, um, like we said before, um, people who haven't participated actively in the creation of the state of Israel, they just live here and they're, 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 they're passively <clears throat> um, not contributing as they could because they just don't see a point in it and whatever, or whatever they disagree with. They agree and appreciate a lot more than they think. And because of the ambivalence, they've never learned to know where those things intersect in a comfortable way. So it always becomes like a guy like Bennett will say, you know, like you just said, you know, if when, when we're together, there's no beating us. You know, when we're together, we're, we're undefeatable. Which you can find even in Chazal and in traditional sources and things like that, you know, when we're really together. The thing I is, always think about that, um, I don't know if it was a midrash or in actual, uh, in one of the Nevi'im, but, you know, how God decided to destroy, I think it was the second base on Mingdash, not because of Avodazar, but because we just weren't even right. in that, it together anymore. And that's our issue today. It remains the same, because we're still, we're the victims of the Vaisheni. We're still living in that, uh, we're much closer, even though it's 2,000 years a wise person once told me, which I agree with, he said, you know, one of the ironies of Jewish history is that the difference between the generation, 70 years, let's say, after the destruction of the first temple to the beginning of the second temple, represents much more of a fundamental difference between generations, which means that the gap between them is much, much, much more significant than two and a half thousand years after, or two, however many years we are, two, two, two thousand years after the destruction of the temple. In other words, the people who were living two thousand years ago, and during the, or two, even two and a half thousand years ago, during the reign, during the um, commonwealth of the second temple, are much closer to us, than, even though there's such a span of so many years, than, than they were to the generation than previous. Than they were to the generation previous mm -hmm. in the first temple. And there was, there was a, a, a real paradigmatic shift and ch change that took place. Mm -hmm. So what I'm pointing out is that we have a lot more in common with them. And, the, and if the Gemara points out that it had to do with just a lack of unity, there's something about the individuality that takes its course that's been starting started since then. You know, it's been germinating and germinating, and we see today that it's like everything is about doing everything on your own and. People don't know what it even means to be a people. Hmm. You know, they don't, it's, it's a very, f it's a new, it's a, it's a thing that needs to be relearned. You know, we can, <clears throat> we can dream about it, and I think I, I, we can get choked up about it and, and emotional about it, but it's, it's, uh, it's not happening because we just dream about it. We don't really know it. We don't really know it. So what I was saying is that um, it's amazing, yeah, that you know these type of statements fall on deaf ears. But I was going to say that when a guy like Bennett says, you know, when we're together, we're undefeatable. Um, the 
a person who's skeptical about the state of Israel because of religious reasons, or right, because they think that the that they're not doing what needs to be done in the land of Israel. They're they agree fundamentally, unless the person's deranged, that there's so much to be appreciative of. But the thing is, it's like it's a difference between if I say to you, you know, we're we have difference of opinion. Why don't you come over and we'll have a drink and we'll celebrate the things that. I, you know, that we have in common, right? Now, if I'm insecure, I am, I'll need to invite you to my house to do that. If you invite me to your house, I don't know if I'll go. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much in your house that it's already ticking me off and triggering me. I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to focus on the things that we have in common and that the appreciation that I have for what we have in common. Okay. So what happens is so often is that like Haredim are so insecure about these things because they never learn about it, talk about it. They just do what, you know, they just do what religious Jews do, hopefully. Right. That at least. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so as a result, they're very insecure about where they can celebrate this thing that they have Eretz Yisrael and that's, you know, where they can do it in a place, first of all, that they're not going to feel ostracized by their own fanatics, right? And where, where, where is it going to be that they're not uncomfortable about everything else going on? Mm-hmm. Which happens. Like, as a, as a community rabbi, I remember very, very often I wanted to be participate in a lot of things that were going on in the community, even if it wasn't done by religious people. But the context that was, was like, let's say there's, you know, an entertainment or a show that makes me uncomfortable being there. Or, you know, they they don't see it that way. They say, okay, there's going to be a show, but like, let's celebrate everything else. And you're like, well, well, wait a second. If you really want to celebrate with me, why don't you ask me what I'm going to be comfortable with so that we can really celebrate together? Like, you know, it takes two to tango, you know what I mean? Right. So... You'll say a tekes on Yom Hazikaron in, in Har Herzl. So there's a lot, there's a lot of religious Jews there, but there's a certain stripe of religious Jew that we usually call. I don't know, I don't even know what we should call them anymore. That don't go, right? Because they're like, well, I don't know how it's going to be. You know, like, like to them, they're not given the ability to participate because in order to participate, so that they're comfortable, like it's in their own house. The organizers of the event would have to bend over way backwards and do all kinds of things, which I don't think they're prepared to do. Right. I also, you know, to be fair, I also don't think that it is necessary to accommodate everyone with everything because it's impossible. So if most people are, if most people are coming and most people find it meaningful and um, there's nothing inherently not okay with it, it's just the fact that being there may, might make you uncomfortable or kinds of people or maybe it's like it's there's no mechitza. Like, you know, it's like I'm, if you if you can accommodate your if you can accommodate yourself a little bit to the klal when we're talking about the klal. OK, so then, you will find those that do like more dati lumi, you know, torani, whatever. And yeah, those are not. But. You can't blame them that, you know, you can say, why can't you just, you know, get over yourself? But, but I'm saying even in, in those, in the more Haredi sectors, I think, I think it was um, Rabbi Orbach 
who was telling someone that there was no need to go to the Kivrei Tzadikim all the way up north when they could just go to Har Herzl, which was like a five-minute walk, because Kivrei Tzadikim right over there. Okay. Like, I... It's a beautiful statement. I've heard that before, but I don't know what context he said it. And and the point is, even if it's 100%, you know, doesn't need to be you know explained in any different direction, okay, but but we were there... So I can when we were walking around, if a person has a relative and something, he can focus on the kever. Yeah, I guess it's a lot easier. But if someone's just going to come, like to pay respects, a yeshiva guy is going to come there. I don't know. I could see that he wouldn't feel comfortable doing being there for different reasons. But like I said, but I guess you I don't could. I, that's I, the I find point. that very I don't hard. Think, I don't think we're expecting. Look, how many people go to Haaretz? So like twenty thousand, thirty thousand. You know what I'm saying? There's not there's not enough room there for everybody. We're not talking about that everybody should do the same thing, but we're we're talking about like, at least like educational wise. I think that's always the key. What are we saying to our kids? Like I had a mixed feeling in our school. You know, the 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 the, the siren went off at eleven o'clock on Yom Hazikaron. So the thing by Acharedim is that those that listen, you know, those that pay attention to it and pay their respects, which is I think is right. Um, there's this thing they say to Helen. Right. So I think, okay, that's nice. It's nice to say to Helen. It's always good, nice to say to Helen. And, but I think it's also the underlying thing is that the whole idea of a moment of silence is very is painted as like a Gaisha thing. Oh my gosh, but it was so beautiful yesterday. Also another piece, he was, he was quoting um, Eliyahu Melech, not Eliyahu Melech, Eliyahu Navi. Um, finding, you know, finding Hashem and saying, Kol Bidema Mishma. Oh, it was so beautiful. Yeah. To me, that was also a nice way to paint it, though, because in my mind, a moment of silence is something that is more secular in my mind, because that's the only time I've ever heard of it, and then suddenly we're also doing it. Right. We, we know, in our history, we don't have such a thing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it can't be appreciated, but, but I'm right, saying I, it's just another thing. All, all you need... Because it's true. All you need somebody to say is like, look, we don't have that in our Masora. It The guy came up with it. You know, they do moments of silence. And what is that? You know, so... But so. I think that's such a... That's such a, like, narrow-minded way to think about things. Like, I understand that as a, as a Jewish people, especially, we're very cautious about what we let in um, and how we do things. But we're also a people made to... Where, where people designed to bring holiness to the everyday and to the mundane and to everything. I feel like just like in, in the speech where he was saying, maybe the, like I, I, I would have no trouble believing that a moment of silence was created by, by the rest, which I think actually is true. Um, but I think that just because it comes from that doesn't mean that the way we use it doesn't make it something that can be very meaningful, inspiring. And like we were talking about last 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 podcast, something transcendental and kadosh, something that we use for the purpose of something higher. Okay. I, look, no one, it's not, it's not the point. To, to, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to certainly argue. And then I, I personally was about to say that in our school, um, when they were saying to Helen, this rabbi was saying to him, who lives, you know, in the next, in the neighborhood over there, it was very Haredi. Nice guy. You know, he grew up in Philly. You know what I'm saying? He's, huh. he, he knows American life and he, he's not like, but he thinks like the best thing to do is say to him, like in my heart of hearts, at that point, I was kind of like motioning or kind of like 
with my voice. I was saying the Talmud, but I was like, kind of just like, so you should stop. Because I think, for many reasons, silence is good to be inculcated in our, in our educational system. We don't have enough silence. We don't have enough appreciation of silence. We spoke about this mm-hmm. some other time. But <clears throat> let them be a little uncomfortable with this silence. You know what I'm saying? Let them hear the silence of... I know you're sitting in your school classroom. They're not, they're not seeing or hearing anything. They don't see. But imagine if they could see, let's say on a live feed, all the people standing there, you know, in different places, and them with them. I think that would be a huge, huge... Uh, moment for kids i just it, it, it's so much togetherness me and shia were driving when the siren went off and we stopped the car got out and stood up we we're in the middle of a neighborhood that doesn't really care so much so it was just us really where um we were we went off shamgar oh wow you didn't look like romima over there we just got out stopped the car got out it was just me and shia standing there and other people were walking around yeah it was not that many people but cars were still moving people were still walking but I was like, Chaval, you guys don't right. realize the power of this moment. Again, even understanding that like, it doesn't come from us, but now it's part of us. Now it could be so much. Yeah, I, and you know, when you put it that way, I, I feel the same in those moments. I, but I did, on the other hand, hear from someone, I think it was, oh, actually it was a, a woman that I work with in the same organization, who runs a very Haredi institution, but she's very normalish, and she was saying that um, a lot of people, more and more people that she knows, don't have. They might not stop in their tracks, but they try not to go outside, so it doesn't look like. Right. I think like that's a common sensitivity now. Right. Like they're disrespecting it. You know what I'm saying? That. So that's a step in the right direction. From there, to get to the place where you are just describing, of like, imagine all the people, as John Lennon said. I hate that song, but his lyrics are crazy. But Oh, you're thinking about the John Lennon song. Imagine all the people. Oh, I didn't even go there. I was just imagining all imagine the people. Imagine all the people. <laughs> so, nice melody, but horrible words. <laughs> but But imagine all the people with the... The strength, you know, the feeling of like, I can tell you that some of the most transcendental, transcendental moments that when I was a, you know, a teenager, that guys would tell me were, was not when they went to the 50,000 strong seum of Dafyomi, which in Israeli numbers, you know, that's nothing, you know, Levaya, you have, you know, for a Gadol, so you have 200,000, 300,000, sometimes like this last one was like four or 500,000 people. You know, and those during those moments, if you if you lower your guard down, it's just like a, it's it's an amazing moment. Mm-hmm. You know, so when he, this this I remember this fellow a friend of mine who was a little more sensitive to these things, he was like, you know, it wasn't so much what was being said and being just being there, you know, and and maybe even davening together. It was like when we all davened Shimon Esrei, just the silence, mm-hmm. just like. 60,000 people silent for a purpose because they're all davening. Right. It's not just silence. It's that it's an organized silence. 
Yeah, it brings people together. Well, I think you have to go. I do. I did. I was thinking though this morning, just to wrap it up. I was thinking about how some people have like really struggle with this idea of saying halal or not, and who are we to reinstate things? And I was just thinking, God gave us, God gave us the power to establish when Rosh Chodesh is going to be. He said, "You, you do that. You be in charge of your time." And there's a Sanhedrin and everything, which I understand we don't have now. But I think the concept of of us as a people establishing times that are holy and times that are important for us as a people is something that we have in Torah. I don't find it to be something so crazy for us to go like on on Yom Atzmaut, we'll say Hallel. Okay, but now you're... <laughs> I opened a whole thing, <laughs> but I was just thinking about whole, that today. Because, because you're... See what you're doing is you're you're going back to even from a religious standpoint, like why isn't there more reconciliation? Like why isn't why isn't there more you know understanding and more flexibility? So that's you're getting into a much more. I wouldn't go thing. so so halachic. I understand that some people are you know like halacha is more complex than that, and there are some poskim that say that you can, and some poskim that say that you can't. Like halacha is, is more complex than that, but I. Just again, coming back to the idea of, of just togetherness, just understanding that when we when we make something important for us, then there is an importance to the day. Whether or not you say the bracha, you don't say the bracha, you don't even say halal bichlal, there's something just really, really chashiv about, peop- about a nation coming together to say this is a day that's important to us. We're, in this day, we're, we're making... Kadosh for remembering the miracles and the kindness and the rachamim that we've been blessed to have so that we can live here. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the the thing about Father's Day or Mother's Day. It's like, you need to be Father Mother's Day every day, which is like kind of, let's say, the religious right. standpoint. Like, you need to be thankful every day. If you were daven every day, you'd say, you know, uh, I mean, you say a million times, different times. You know, you say different times, you know, the day that you're appreciative of what Hashem has done and what we're doing and thing a lot. Um, so, so, you know, this is today, you know what I'm saying? Did you decide you're going to say halal and with a bracha and it becomes like complex, you know, halachically. And, and you're saying, well, Maybe at a point, at some time in your life, you say, okay, but today's Father's Day. You know what I'm saying? It's not... You're saying you don't have to attribute such religious significance to it in order to allow yourself to be mitzdaref, to, to Exactly. To Whether or not you decide halachically to do the thing, the bracha, the thing, the that, but on a spiritual, personal level, make a decision to be a part of it. Right, so that's what I was saying. I think I'm positive of that. I think it is happening. At least, you know, I saw Meira. I think the people are being more, you know, people that normally would have not been sensitive are being more sensitive. And to the extent that they're actually proactively getting involved is was yet to be seen, but I think more and more of it is happening. Mm-hmm. It would be great to have a clip, you know. Somebody sent a nice clip of his band, you know, singing about Yom Ha'atzmaut, which is like, they're all Dati Torani Lumi guys, you know, playing nice music about, you know, they made up a song. It's a nice song. Mm-hmm. I put it on the chat, but it would be nice to have a, ch- it would be nice to have a, like a video of like showing real people from all different stripes really getting involved.
just because they want to be together. Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to know where, if that happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, you might have to go to like some hole in the wall in Nachlaot. Well, then again, <laughs> you're not going to be finding people. mainstream. Like, I don't, you know, it would be nice to, to organize. I, you know, Rabbi Rav Bombach does. You know, Rabbi oh, yeah, yeah. Bombach. Yeah. On Yom Asikaron, he always, he always has a special shear in his yeshiva. It's a Hasidic Hasidic yeshiva, you know. It's, of course, it's different. It's, it's they have secular studies and it's a, it's a revolutionary place, but I can send you the video, you know, of him talking this year also. Every Yom Azikaron he speaks. Maybe we'll put the link in the description. People can watch it if they want to. Okay, I'll send it to you. Nice. All right. All right, have a great time at Schmelz. Beyachad, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe when you're at Schmelz, you ask people, you can, like, you know, how I'll was your Yom Azikaron? You're not going to be there another two weeks, so you can, like, you know, be a little risky. I'm always risque. <laughs> no, I'm not risque. I didn't say that. But I said, like, you can, like, you know, uh, in Yiddish, you say, rate someone. You can, like, you know, start no. poking them. What you do for Chag at Samois? No. <laughs> you get people, you know, along with their food, they get to think and get to argue and stuff. That could be fun. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Adios. Adios. And that's a wrap, my friends. We hope that our conversation inspired you and gave you something to chew on. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, topics you'd be interested in discussing, and even triggers so we can generate more relevant and meaningful conversation. You can contact us at fdhp.feedback at gmail.com. And we are wishing you a blessed week, and we'll catch you next time.